0: Welcome back to another episode, an exciting conversation on the Worthy for 30 podcast. I'm your host, uh, Eric Tash, and with me today is a longtime friend and former colleague, uh, Helene Knapp, the CEO and founder of Cedero. Helene, welcome to the Worthy for 30 podcast.
1: Thanks, Eric. Happy to be here. Good to see you.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So uh, Helene and I were catching up Uh, She, uh, in New York, born and bred. Uh, startup founder who's who moved to Miami and is is it is it like you walk out your front door in Miami and you're running into other founders and and investors like because again I, I'm I'm looking at my Twitter feed and everyone's saying Miami is the next Silicon Valley or Silicon Alley so love to hear you know you from your first hand experience uh, what you're seeing
1: yeah I mean Eric I'm gonna be honest I came here for the beach and the sunshine <laughs> and the accessibility to tennis courts and Part of the reason I moved down here is I had a whole bunch of friends that made the early move during the pandemic, so I knew there'd be this contingency of ex-New Yorkers, and there really is a lot going on down here—way more than I thought. This is not this is not Boca, this is not Bob Beach, this is not your grandma's town for the most part. Right. Uh, there's there's something to do every night if you wanted to in the space for sure.
0: Oh, wow. Excellent. So, Helene, the, the way I usually like to start uh, these conversations, especially with founders and entrepreneurs, is really getting an understanding of your journey from, you know, I, I know you and I work together at Buddy Media to founding City Row. We'd love to hear about that journey. And what was that insight or tipping point that said, you know what, there's a there there, there's a business uh, behind uh, rowing. So, yeah, we'd love to, to hear your founding story.
1: Okay, sure, Eric. Right. Well, I'll take it a little bit step back because when I kind of think back to the real why behind City Road, it probably started with me as a, just like a much chubbier, shy kid growing up, um, which I think if you were to meet me now, like shy, no way, right? Like I can talk to a wall if I need to. But that was me kind of growing up in an insecure teenage girl and then really kind of found my groove in college and post college and found myself working. My first job out of college was working at Conde Nast. I was actually like, you know, a sales assistant made like $20,000 a year and I was helping sell magazine ads. Um, mm-hmm. But I was also going through a personal wellness journey. And so after college, I was like, okay, I'm going to work out. I'm going to feel good about myself. I'm going to like try weight Watchers, whatever it took. And I was like on this personal journey, which led me to find boutique fitness. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie to you, Eric, I was a basic first row soul cycle Booking that that you know tread of berries really early, and this is like before there was a plethora of supply. Right, there was a reason it was called boutique, is because it was really quite exclusive. Just degree. so, I was definitely part of that community and starting to work at Buddy Media. I was working like crazy, and so then I found out that like the only way I could hold myself accountable and go to the gym was by book these classes. So sure. picture me, right? I'm a ty- I'm a type A. I have a lot of energy, and so these classes were incredible. And then I could go with friends. So I fell in love mm-hmm. with the industry as a consumer first and foremost and then after a couple of years of doing this i found myself with actually a pretty bad lower back injury it developed over time and it forced me to just question what i was doing to my body on a daily and weekly basis and while i thought that that was really good for me turns out it wasn't and that that real realization was really hard because i like to think of myself as someone who does the right thing and so the fact that i thought i was doing the right thing and it was the wrong thing made me really question everything about the industry and what was going on. And so I, I forced myself to learn a lot more about what was under the curtain behind these workouts and what was actually going to be right and smart for my body. And my doctor was like, you need a low-impact workout. And I didn't know what that was. So That was really, I don't, don't want to call it the tipping point, but that was the thing that pushed me over the edge to do a lot of deep diving and helped me find out pretty quickly my first learning that there was not a lot of workouts out there that were intelligently designed and programmed for people that worked at a desk all day you know mm-hmm. we're we're conditioned to think that we're an athlete now when we're in these classes it makes us feel good but like we're not athletes there you know sure, we, we yeah. work out for an hour a day we sit a lot hopefully we're trying to change that and move our bodies more throughout the day but there really wasn't something out there that was going to be both fun and exciting and cool but that also was going to be intelligently designed for the, the people that we are today in today's world and when looking for low impact walking is great Apparently, swimming and cross-country skiing, also fantastic, total body low-impact workouts. uh, Mm -hmm. Not super accessible. And rowing kept coming up in my discovery. It really kept coming up as this incredible way to move your body, torch calories, low-impact, both strength training and cardio. But there was nowhere to do it. And I thought that it was for Winklevoss twins and CrossFit dudes. did not (laughs) think it was for me. I really didn't. That was like kind of the foundation of discovery that forced sure. me to just ask more questions and power forward. And then, you know, I had this idea. I was like, I wonder if I can make rowing like sexy and cool and mainstream, right? It's this unsung hero, but it really needs a makeover. And so I quickly realized, what if I paired it with strength training work? To me, that should be perfect. Cardio, strength, it's a hit class. And I just started talking about it. You know, the first person I talked to was? Who's that? Mr. Dan Reich.
0: And I was just, my my next question was going to be a Dan Reich related question. So uh, that's great that that you spoke to him. Spoke to him as a, as a soundboard or like or like what were what was the the thought process behind like who should I talk to? And yes, like who and then why Dan? Like why what, what was your, what was the gravitational pull? I, could, I, I I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear from from you. So
1: Dan ends up being my boss uh, for a little while at Buddy Media. Towards the end there. We worked really well together. I have utmost respect for him. And I I think he always like saw something in me probably even before I saw it in myself, which is really empowering. And I always knew that I would kind of continue to do well in business in whatever capacity that was. Dan was constantly like finding me new jobs. And I knew that he was going to be one of my biggest supporters in whatever I, I were to, to choose to do next. And... I went to him first and foremost as a sounding board, right? He's a seasoned entrepreneur, he's successful. And I was like, what do you think? And I still remember the conversation. I remember where I was sitting. It's a conference room at a shared office space in the Lower East Side. He came to visit me and he was like, yeah, yeah. Helene, Helene, it's a great idea. We got to do it. Let's do a pop-up. Let's do a pop-up next weekend. And I was like, kind of taken it back because Dan's not the kind of guy that has like a ton of enthusiasm about the gate. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised and I was like, okay, dang." Um, I'm not sure if we can do a pop-up, but you know, let's talk about some other ways to do it. And he ended up like pushing me in the direction of assessing Matt in a few ways. He ended up being the first check into the business uh, and a confidant and uh, a mentor to this day. But I, he was my first person to like help me gut check is this a good idea or a bad idea and uh, forever grateful for him. And he's helped me push the company forward many times over the years.
0: Right, right. And as I like to say, the the Buddy Media Alumni Association runs deep, uh, Dan Reich, uh, previous guest twice. Uh, Jeff Ragaman, also an investor in, in City Row, an advisor in City Row. Uh, two amazing people who, who like to, to give while doing well, like you, Helene, you know, uh, like to do good and doing well. The thing about Dan, hopefully he doesn't blush, but again, it's, it's, on, it's, it's on video. It's on recording. I said, you know, I, I, think my question when I was talking to him is like, uh, what do you see in Helene, uh, when you invested in? Cause again, I was asking about his investment philosophy and I think he said, uh, if I'm paraphr- I'll am paraphrase, if Helene was selling steak knives, I'd support her. I'd back her. Whatever she was selling, i support her. So I think that that goes a long way. And what's really interesting, what you're saying, Helene, and something that I picked up from Dan, when you're evaluating a startup idea, like what you were doing in your discovery, you're starting to think about in terms of why not this and why not me? Why not us? Again, this is a great opportunity. It's ripe. I imagine, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. I imagine there's some apprehension when you're starting something new or that hasn't been done before. What you did at that time was you found a sounding board of someone who's been through the trenches or been in the trenches with starting, uh, not just one but multiple business ideas, whether they're a founder or investor or supporter. So, I mean, that that's tremendous. So, I think you know, for the people who are listening or who will be listening, asking those questions that Helene was asking when you know the the, the early aughts of of Cidero, uh, but also tapping into your network. Your, your network is um, very important, right? And, and it's not Dan and Jeff. I imagine there's some other people that stand out that you can point to that were that have been helpful uh, throughout this journey.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think it's about surrounding yourself with people that have complementary skill sets, and the needs of those complementary skill sets are going to change first and foremost as you change. As a founder, as a CEO, as an operator, it's also going to change based off of where the needs are of the business. You know, I've had had one mentor almost since the beginning. His name is Mike. He's an investor. He's actually a contractor, um, and he's he has been with me every step of the way. Whether I need to cry, whether I need to talk through something from a business perspective, whether I need you know help on a specific topic, whether it's construction, whether it's bringing in people, whether it's an interpersonal issue, um, and so I think that your mentors can really run the gamut, right? And then I think about. One of our one of our independent board members who came on board about two years ago, and ever since I met her, I just wanted to keep learning from her. And I could tell pretty quickly that our brains worked differently, even if we had similar vision, similar goal, and mutual respect for each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's some of the most powerful conversations because you know how you have to bring people around you that are not just going to agree with everything you say, right? But how are they going to challenge mm-hmm. you? and be able to communicate with you effectively so that you can hear and listen to them. And, you know, Sharon is someone who I can go to on a, you know, she's a marketing genius, but I can really go to her with anything. And I believe in her, mm-hmm. in her kind of moral compass and core. And so, you know, she wasn't there in the first five years. I'm not sure I couldn't take advantage for that, but you know, where the company is now I can call her for almost anything. And I know that she's the right sounding board for this thing. And so these things really ebb and change and flow. And like, for instance, Dan, right. Right. He was there at pivotal moments throughout the journey. We might maybe haven't spoken deeply in four years, but now things are happening and I'm calling him on a regular basis. So it's about like I see myself as a quarterback and I have a big mm-hmm. bench of people. And depending on the play, I got to put some of the in for the play.
0: That, that's that, that speaks to a lot of self-awareness as a founder, because you're saying to yourself, I might not be strong in, in this area, but I know someone who is. So what do you what do you say to that founder who, who wants to do it all?
1: Oh, I mean, I think that's a red flag. Um, I mentor a lot of early stage founders. And I talk a lot, if you've ever listened to me or or seen any of my writing, like self-awareness really is everything because it's one thing to be able to say everything that you're good at, but it's even more powerful to acknowledge the areas that you're not good at because that means you can solve for it. And that means that you're not afraid to be a little bit vulnerable to say, I'm actually not good at that. And So it's my favorite question to ask a founder is like, okay, what are the areas that you're just really not good at? And how are you solving for that? If someone give me a really good answer for that, they can probably tackle anything in the future.
0: Very, very interesting. So, uh, one thing I want to talk about uh, when you were starting City Row, and even in today, uh, when you were looking at the landscape of fitness, uh, boutique fitness, connected fitness, in studio fitness, how many female founders were have that were found have founded or or founded businesses you know over the past what was it uh 10 years that the city Row has been around oh
1: my god i don't know what that stat is eric do you
0: have it i i, I don't i i don't know i i just want again I, i'm just interested to to hear you know is this you know at, at the top again you you built this business from idea to studio fitness connected fitness um, you know, if you go to cityroho.com, you can, you know, find where city ro- the city row locations, you know, in New York City and in other parts of the country, as well as, uh, uh learn about the, the connected rower. But as, as a female founder is, is a, is a lonely, I, I don't know. Again, I want, I want to, again, it's, it's a, you know, empathy is by about putting yourself in other people's shoes. Compassion is putting yourself in other people's shoes and doing something about it. So this, this is a big passion point for, for this show is how do we help the underrepresented entrepreneur or the, or the, uh, the female and the minority uh, founder to, again, have that seat at the table and, and and have that voice at the table and change it. Yeah, I of. think
1: everyone depending everyone depending on what their day-to-day is, where they sit in this world is going to be able to have a, a different impact on whatever cause they, they choose to tackle. Um, and as I think, you know, like helping early stage founders, particularly women is something I'm very passionate about just because I have been there. I launched City Road 10 years ago, which is a crazy stat, Eric, considering you right. know I'm still 25. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that I've, I've personally gravitated towards just given what I've done over the past 10 years. And I think, at this point, I want to be the person that I was always looking for. As an early stage founder, I want to be the person that a young founder can come to and be vulnerable. You know, it's really hard to be vulnerable to whether it's an investor, doesn't matter how close you are to them, there's always an an element of you wanting to kind of, you know, show them that this has got big legs to it, right? And then your Mm -hmm. employees are often really hard to share with, because you also need to keep them really inspired. And so I think the the role that I, you know, hope to play, and I do this with some of my advising roles or early stage investing is to sit alongside that founder, and try and be be their family. be be their Mm -hmm. partner in this. And for every founder that means something different and that relationship kind of is curated depending on what's needed. But I think that particularly women, just because I am one and I've been there, I've seen the ability to have an outsized impact when it comes to not just building the business, but also the emotional pieces that come alongside this and being a founder and being lonely and understanding all the intricacies of running a business, managing a board, building a team, like... Sure. There's there's no school to go to for entrepreneurship, right? There's no school to go to for being a founder. There's incubators, there's accelerators, Mm -hmm. a lot of great tools out there, but I want to be and I, I am for a lot of people that mentor that people can call to not only talk through things, but also to kind of give them a peek around what's the like what's what's coming around the next bend and how can we position both you and the company a little bit better for what's to come.
0: Right. Uh, and and that, that brings me to my one of the questions that I sent through before our conversation today is that there's this Mike Tyson quote. You know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, which I think is, is apropos for, for founders because you have COVID. OK, that's a big black swan uh, event that, you know, hopefully once in a lifetime, where as a founder, you have to react to. Um, but City Road Go, for instance, you know, the connected rower, you know, take a step back. You know, a lot of people bought connected fitness equipment during the pandemic because we didn't know when we were gonna return to gyms or when we when we were gonna return to to in person physical fitness. Uh but City of Go was in the queue way before the pandemic hit, right? Oh Is yeah. That, it, oh, yeah. D- so Dan ahead.
1: Reich wanted me to launch that in twenty sixteen. It took me until twenty eighteen. <laughs> but we were we were we were very far ahead of the curve on that, luckily.
0: Right, right, right. Luckily. But are are there other instances where, again, you think whether it's that quote or, or that, that resolve, that resilience, that grid that you can speak to, to, to some of those inflection points where, yeah, you yeah, know, that the high, you can't get your highs too high or lows too low. Like what, what yeah, we'd love to hear some of those those anecdotes and, and how you you persisted and, and pulled through to the other side.
1: Yeah, you know, I talk about this a lot. And I don't know if we've shared this, but I wrote a book during COVID, it's called it's called Making Ways will come out early next year. And I talk a lot about this element of resilience, or like, as I pull that string, it's, it's resilience, but it's also resilience alongside creative problem solving. And it's probably something and I, I unpacked this a little bit, but I've like always been really good at puzzles and games, like I just love figuring things out. And I think that like, there's, Grit and resilience is one thing but you need that alongside the ability to actually creatively solve a problem and i think that that's probably why city row is still here 10 years later Is not just the ability to power through but to kind of channel that kind of you know those challenges into figuring out what the right solution is and you know people are like you pull the rabbits out of your hat left and right and sure that's magic but i think that that magic is actually just like really unique problem solving um, and mm-hmm. so I talk about that a lot. It's like when you're down, you have two weeks left of payroll, like how are you gonna power through that? How are you gonna think differently, right? How are you gonna mm-hmm. leverage existing investors, new conversation, debt instruments, right? And it kind of goes back to our previous conversation around who do you have on your bench? Mm-hmm. Because I also know that I am not the perfect problem solver for every topic. So for instance, like when I have a weird finance thing, like I know who to call, right? I When I have a weird legal thing, I know who to call, right? When I want to think about alternative ways to like raise equity or do unique fundraising things, I know who to call. And so it's Mm -hmm. really about leveraging those relationships, not being afraid to call a favor and not be afraid to be vulnerable with these people, right? Someone can only help you if they understand everything. And that kind of comes back to that self-awareness element and the this kind of secondary element to that of like being vulnerable enough to admit when you don't know something. Right. So if I've been right. having, like, let's say for instance, I've been having, we we're having cash flow issues, right? So many startups have cash flow issues. We've run out of money like four times. It's really not fun. And I'm exploring, like, should we take a loan from Stripe? Right. So I have to be able to be in an environment with someone that I trust to be able to ask the dumb questions to, right? I can't pretend like I am the know it all CEO, founder who's supposed to know everything. You have to have people around you that you trust enough to be able to like ask the full spectrum of questions to be able to get to that creative uh, solution with all the information behind it. So it really it really is about like taking a couple steps back, bringing people around you, having the grit and the resilience but also alongside creative problem solving.
0: Creative problem solving. It's it's, it's very it's very interesting that you bring that up. So I had Paulina from the the profile who's coming out with a book called Hidden Genius. Uh, And her whole, you know, speaking with the David Goggins of the world, those folks subscribe that have their own mental models, like to what you're alluding to, there are going to be times that are tough. But if I tap into those mental model uh, and that mental checklist of, okay, what are the questions I need to ask? Who do I need to go to? They're they're much more tolerable than if it's like, oh, shit, like, what am I going to do? I'm running out of money as a startup founder, like, uh uh-oh. You, Pauline, it sounds like again, you're you're taking this proactive approach, you're taking a step back of like, what are the right what are the questions I need to ask? And who do I do I need to ask those to myself to me, or do I need to ask them to, to other people that I surround myself with? And the thing that Paulina really pulled out is whether you're a startup founder or a David Goggins, for example, these aren't, you know, extraordinary and remarkable people. You know, they're they're normal, regular people like you and I. But again, they they've created the, these mental models, they, they, and they've unlocked that that hidden genius, quote unquote, to, again to get themselves through the, through these challenging times. So again, it go, again, as you mentioned, it goes back to that 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 humility as a founder, that self awareness as a founder, to again surround yourself with really you know good people and people that complement your skill set. Uh, one thing that that I, I definitely want to talk about is this this book, and you said it's coming out next year. Uh, you said it's making waves.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah. Making make waves, and when, and do you have an exact date of when this is coming out? Because I I got a pre order. I can tell my listeners to pre order as well. So.
1: <laughs> oh, don't worry, Eric. You'll you'll get the link. <laughs> I can count on you for what five thousand copies. Sure. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was a honestly it started out as a passion project during COVID um, with a friend of mine who's always kind of encouraged me to consider book writing and. I didn't really know what that would be, but COVID was such a crazy time as you alluded to. We yeah. had this digital piece, we had early early franchise system like one was like sort like decimated, the other boomed for a little while then it busted alongside. Like it has been a truly insane journey and it was really fun to get the stories out. I mean, I have so many stories I didn't even remember all of the ones until I started talking about it. And then we started to really extract out what some key lessons and learnings would be alongside telling the great stories a la a memoir so to speak um so it's it's what we call a prescriptive memoir it talks a little bit about me we get to we get a, a couple a chapter in early childhood helene which is really fun a lot of references to my to my grandma which people have a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of fans of my grandma in this world if you follow me on instagram uh and then just like talking a little bit you know, we unpack, we double click, we triple click on the founding story and the why. We talk a lot about my injury and how I got there and how I really didn't mean to start a rowing studio. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was a budding tech exec. I had a bright future ahead of me in account services and sales and SAS. My dad was like, okay, great. I got one get off payroll. You know what I mean? Like, he, I was, I had this great career ahead of me. I probably want to work for Jeff Ragavan for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? And so sure. I think it's, it's like what kind of gave me the confidence too to say, to your point earlier, why not me? Why not now? Why not this? And I had the backing. I had the support. I had the bench to try it, to make that mm-hmm. first play. And then, okay, that play kind of worked, right? It wasn't a touchdown, but we got a first down. Was that a good... That did I yeah, a, that's a that's
0: analogy, record? right? Yeah, you got. You, yes, so, you, you, you move the ball up the field, right?
1: Yeah, Michigan grad, right here. So, yeah, that,
0: um, exactly.
1: I extracted something from those four years in Ann Arbor. So all all's to say is that it it's a, it's a really it's a deep dive of the of the stories and the challenges, but it also kind of categorizes some of the biggest learnings. One of those is problem solving. I talk a lot about being a female founder. I have a chapter that's called crying big tears is the least of my problems i'm a crier eric and i i've cried at inopportune times before i talk about mistakes i've made whether it was at buddy media whether it was at old my second co- my second tech company or whether it was at city Row, whether it was in a board mm. meeting whether it was in a partner meeting or whether it was with my team and i'm not afraid to share those missteps because i really do hope people can learn from them
0: exactly again it's that, that giving component it's you know a, 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 you're not you're not remiss to, to mention all the people that have been supportive throughout your journey and who helped get you to this place uh leading city row uh you know over the past 10 years and you're saying to yourself okay how can i give back how can i and it's not necessarily a playbook but how can i give a first hand perspective of what uh, what i went through you know I imagine there's some self doubt and you mentioned vulnerability like should i be doing this i have a, this bright career ahead of me in, in, in tech which is "Quote unquote, it's that Now you look at all the layoffs of Facebook and, and Google, it's like, is it really safe? I don't know. But there's one quote that I, that, I, that keeps coming up you know, as I have these conversations with, with folks like yourself, Lane, which is uh, a Steve Jobs quote. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. So looking back on the past 10 years, what were those dots that you collected that allowed you to be where you are today? Oh, man, that's a great quote
1: honestly, I think the dots are people to some degree. Like I know I keep coming back to this analogy of being a quarterback, but you really, when I, when I, when I look back and I think about all the the moments and you know, the voice of this book is that I really want to add a new voice to the startup world that talks about the underbelly. I want to talk about what it really takes. I want to talk about not just rainbows and butterflies. Like I want this to be the book that gives you a real insight into what happens and what happened to me. And that, like, it was pretty rough. I am not going to lie, right? People that just see, oh, I'm on podcasts, we got articles, we're open locations left and right. There's no room in social media, on LinkedIn, on Facebook for, holy fuck, we ran out of money. I can't pay myself oh my God, I have an issue with a board member. Oh my God, we're being sued. Oh my God, I'm being sued again. Oh my God, the landlord's coming after us. There's no space for that. And I think that had I had a space for that, or had I had had places where I could look and watch, it would have made, to your point earlier around, like you never know what's going to happen until you get punched in the face, or you ever have a plan until you get punched in the face. Right. This is basically like a, let me tell you all the ways you can get punched in the face. And by the way, you are going get, to get punched in the face. So be prepared to be punched in the face over and over and over and over again. Here are some some ways that I was punched in the face. And not that you're going to have the same problem that you're going to have to get through, but that like emotionally and from a surrounding myself with great people, here's how I overcame those punches. And so mm. that's the voice that I wanted to bring into it. And I think to your point on dots and reflecting back, I mean... I think that that's basically what this book is about. It's taking all of those little moments that I never, you know, in the moment were really not not super, you know, crazy, you know, pinnacle and realizing that they all tied together and they were all part of my story and my journey and my personal growth. You know, there's there's a mistake that I remember making at my first job when I was at Condé Nast. I was a sales assistant and I worked for a lot of powerful women and I was also like I was pretty techie as you can mm-hmm. imagine like I loved technology I loved learning about things and so like I was the one that was like building decks and doing the excel stuff and like I was the assistant that everyone knew could like go and figure anything out on the computer and I remember that my one boss just like could not figure out excel and she would call me over like every three minutes when she was trying to do something and like at one point I snapped at her I snapped at her and I got past aggressive Twenty twenty two 22 years old and i think that there was a part of me that probably felt like i wasn't i wasn't giving enough i, I wasn't like being i wasn't being recognized for everything i could do i mean i was a little salesman i've been there for like eight months or so and i was probably just like ready to do more and be given more responsibility but there was no growth and i got in trouble like i got like really in trouble i was like taken into a conference room and someone sat me down i think i cried whether it was during or after because i don't like I'm not someone that gets in trouble, Eric. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I mean, I'll great. take a word for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I try not to get in trouble. I mean, you I try, try not to get in trouble. Line. I tried right. to toe the line a little bit, but in retrospect, like, it helped me learn politics. It helped me learn hierarchy. It helped me learn respect. And I'm really grateful for that particular stepping stone because I think everyone should be an assistant. I think everyone's got to start at the bottom. And I think that had I not started at the bottom, I wouldn't have been in the right position to. Join Buddy Media, right? Where there was a hierarchy, and there was like—I mean, I had bosses many times over. Where I was like, they could do their job better than them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and and over time, like, I'm sure I made mistakes there too. I remember a couple of them, um but I think that they were all kind of part of the stepping stone in learning interpersonal. There were times where, like, I should have shown up a little bit stronger and better for my city routine, right? I should have—I should have been able to. To to rise up and not let them see whatever emotion I was dealing with. I wasn't capable at the time, uh, but those were all those were all learnings that only only come as you connect the dots.
0: Looking back, right? As, as, uh, as yes, as you go through them, like it, right as you mentioned, like in the moment, you, you you like you don't know the significance, but when you take a step back and and you see, like okay, oh yeah, this is a real uh, a nugget. It was it was an unfortunate experience, you know, getting sat down because I, I spoke back passive aggressively to my boss. But again, it it helped inform future Helene.
1: Yeah, and I think you know the other thing is that when you're going through something that's really intense, I think that we—I'll speak for myself, right? You talk about these like moments of extra grit and extra resilience. You have to keep blinders on, right? Like part of the reason that I was able to power through is that I was tunnel focused on finding a solution. Every time I would be take a step back and be like, "Holy shit!" the significance of this moment oh, my God, we've run out of money. Oh, my God, the credit cards that are tied to my personal name, like we're we're screwed. That's not helpful in that moment. And so you really can only look at those dots retrospectively or retroactively. Because in the moment, it's actually, at least for me, it's too much emotion. It's too much energy on something when you need to think, focus all of your energy on a solution, not the magnitude of the problem.
0: Focus on the solution. i like, oh, that's, that's good. I hope, hopefully that's a, a quote that, uh, okay, write that down. I'm going to I'm going to write that down and especially call that out, pull that out of the, 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 uh, the conversation transcript. Um, no, the, no, you no, know, no, this is, this has been great. Uh, Helene, um, as you met, as you mentioned, and again, uh, I've known Helene, oof, um, 10 plus years, uh, longer than city Row has been, been in existence. Uh, and, can't, can't speak high enough of, of Helene's character, you know, what she's saying. Again, this, this ability to, again, put yourself – yes, to take a step back, uh, to have that humility, to have that self-awareness, uh, to show up when you need to show up. Maybe I didn't show up this time. Uh, what I'm really getting at is, you know, you're not going to go on social media and see Helene putting some accolade from some – Very well-known publication, you know, touting this accolade. No, the the proof is in the pudding in terms of the product that she's putting out and and taking care of her employees and her team and the community that she and her team has built over the ten plus years, which is tremendous. Because one of the things, you know, as I was preparing for this conversation is looking at a previous, watching a previous conversation that you had, Helene. Is we're in the business of changing people's lives, so I love you know to end this conversation between you and I on. What is the impact? If you can articulate it, what has been the impact that City Row has had on people's lives beyond the rower?
1: Oh man, you know, I think I think you have to ask them individually. I know that for people that have fallen in love with our product and our programming, they've they've found a new way to move their body where they feel really good. Right? They've probably pushed themselves. They've challenged themselves. They've achieved new goals, which is always wonderful. But I like to think that they've they've started to figure out that there's a way to do it a very in a very mentally healthy way too. You know, our instructors are funny. Like we're not here to to, to beat you down. We're we're here to really build you up and empowering in a smart way. And so I think that from a from a client and a City Row customers perspective, I think we've really helped people move their bodies and have fun with smart movement. Um, and then you know the team and our our partners, whether it's our franchisees or people we've worked with, you know. I think, I think, again, you have to ask them, but I think that our team is is motivated intrinsically by what we're doing. And I think that that really shows up in everyone's like strong work ethic each and every day. And we, I generally like each other, which, you know, I will only, only do business moving forward people that I like, you don't want to be stuck with them in the classic airport, like they're probably not for you. And so one of the things I'm most proud of is that um, both annie and ashley the founding members of this team and my partners in the business we are still doing this together 10 years later and i think that that is uh probably what i can, am going to be most proud of um when i look back and connect the dots in the look, next look at 15, that.
0: 20 years it, it, it's it, it is amazing because you know you, re- you read stories of startup founders who like you know when the founders leaves you know a couple years after it's it's founded and they go on their, their separate way. But again, that, that just speaks to the environment and the culture that Helene and her team have fostered, you know, since, it's, since City Row's founding. What was I going to say? Yeah, we'd would love, would love to see, you know, again, how how these next chapters for, for City Row evolves. And I know what I was going to say. You know, Danny Meyer, the, the founder of Union Square Hospitality said, in order to have a great customer experience, you need to take care of the workers, the, the wait staff, the people behind the bar, the bartenders. And what it sounds like, um, not to put words in your mouth is, you know, you fostered a culture where everyone loves to show up to work at city row and by loving to show up to work at city row, the people who use the product, whether in studio or on or in their home and the, from the comfort of their home, you know, find it enjoyable. It's that like, yes, it's a workout, like, oh shit, you know, 45 minutes, an hour I have to be, I have to work out and sweat and schwitz and whatever, but I'm going to enjoy it. At least it's time well spent because as you mentioned, it's that, that, that mental component that they walk away with in addition to the physical uh, component, the physical empowerment, being able to to move around a little bit easier after. Uh, I
1: think so. Tell, I hope. I hope yeah, so. I,
0: well, 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 again, we'll, we'll see, you know, as, um, as a, as a call to action for the people who are, who are going to be listening uh, city uh to find out more about Helene and, and city row and where to find uh, the nearest studio as well as to learn about their connected fitness equipment, you know, having City row in your house. Um, so <laughs> a, a, any, any other short uh, places where people can find you, Helene?
1: Yeah, just helenapp.com If you want to find or learn more about me specifically, cd You can also find us at City row on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, picture Your Poison.
0: Pick your poison. Pick your social media poison. Well, Helene, it's it's always a pleasure to catch up and to speak with you and to le- and to hear about the City Row story. Uh, and again, it's a to be continued story uh, with a, a very bright future. So again, I appreciate your time this afternoon.
1: Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me.